Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. up everybody welcome to another edition of golf talk here on roto grinders drive for show dfs for dough we've got another golf major this week so lots to uh, get excited about for the week ahead Uh, lots to look back on in the week that was as well so uh, plenty of talking points for us to get through here on this week's show thanks as always for joining us whether you're joining us live uh, via YouTube or you're watching us on playback. Uh, we appreciate you taking in the content. Leave us a thumbs up on the video. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, helps us out with the old YouTube algorithms. But uh, I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. I've got Derek Farnsworth, a.k.a. Notorious, alongside me. And Noto, just, uh, just a little bit going on in the golf world these days, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, the PJ Tour couldn't have asked for a better Sunday. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, that leaderboard was awesome. Came down to the last few holes. Uh, the final group, Finau, JT, Rory, they all just played, you know, some great golf. So, uh, yeah, with the live and uh, all that stuff going on, the PGA Tour definitely needed uh, a good Sunday, and they got it. And uh, we even saw Jay Monahan get out there and start shaking hands. Uh, so, you know, you know, he's sweating a little bit. Uh, well, we got the major. Um, interesting to see, you know, how much heat the guys that uh, join live that are in the field this week are going to get. Yeah, it, it really will be, um, you know, from a fan perspective and then just in the media and, you know, Rory's eating it up and uh, kind of becoming the face of the the PGA Tour throughout this, which I think is really interesting. Did, did you watch any of the live coverage at all last week? No, I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't watch either tournament either. Actually, um, my little one's home with me all day, so uh, my TV privileges are are essentially revoked for the time being. But uh, I guess I could have pulled it up on my phone. But I heard, you know, the coverage wasn't too bad. Um, a lot of golf, a lot of uh, you know, u- different aspects from the PJ Tour. So sounds like it went off better than expected, even though you know expectations were essentially nothing. So a little bit better than expected, I heard. Yeah, it was okay. I watched a little bit of it. So the live tour streams on YouTube, so you can just check it out on there. Um, but uh, it had some hiccups, as you would expect, with the first week. But uh, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, surely is a lot of sticker shock uh, to see you know a guy go out and win like four million dollars in one tournament and surpass uh, career earnings for a lot of people uh, with three rounds of golf and uh, whether that, you know, makes more people 
make the leap, it's hard to say. I mean, we've had uh, Bryson and, and Patrick Reed have kind of come out as the latest, uh, really two names that don't shock me a whole lot, I guess, in the grand scheme. Most of it's been veteran guys, but uh, if some younger guys are going to go, those are two that maybe don't surprise me as much as some others would. But uh, you mentioned the PGA Tour got about as good of a finish uh, as they could have hoped for with that leaderboard, you had a whole bunch of guys, Thomas and uh, Finau and Rory and Justin Rose shot 10 under on Sunday. And you, you can say it, the conspiracy theorists are saying they set it up intentionally real easy on Sunday with the live tournament being over, maybe to get some fireworks. And sure, maybe they did. But, uh, you know, he kind of any means necessary, I suppose. Uh, but it's just it's kind of an interesting crossroads for the game of golf, if you get, say, 10 more top players go over there, um, you know, how do you think this changes the golf landscape moving forward, even just from a DFS perspective, if the tour gets a little more watered down and, you know, now you got these 48 man events with a little stronger strength of fields, say we get, you know, two or three of the other top 12 guys end up going over there. Yeah, it'll be interesting, um, especially for some of the guys that just signed on. Um, you know, you got to think if they get a lot more big names, they're going to have to cut some guys that, uh, you know, aren't really. Right. If they're going to stick famous. by the 48 golfer field. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, you mentioned the the water down field for the PJ Tour. I don't think we'll see much of a difference. I mean, we already have some pretty weak fields. And if you just take two golfers out of, uh, you know, a field each week, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference from a DFS perspective. But I mean, it's certainly going to change the landscape of golf if this ends up being successful. Um, with an unlimited budget, it's kind of hard for this to see failing for the time being. So, yeah, the PGA Tour's got uh, some tough decisions to make. They they might have to do a you know an overhaul of you know the way they approach things, and maybe it'll be good for golf. Um, maybe it'll just segment in it, and then all of a sudden, you know, the majors are just kind of the the championships. We've seen this in other sports where uh, not all the best players play in the same leagues and maybe that's what happens with golf. I hope that doesn't happen. And, you know, we want the PJ tour to win, but uh, it does seem like they've uh, haven't treated their players maybe as good as they could have been in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. And so the wake up call comes quite, uh, you know, quite obviously there last week and we'll see where that goes going forward. Uh, there'll be other weeks where, you know, maybe we got a little bit uh, more time to dive into that, but with the major this week, we want to make sure, uh, we focus on the U.S. Open, of course, big win for Rory McIlroy. We've been harping on this for six months, uh, maybe a year. You know, when can he put four rounds together? Finally did that last week, um, you know, in, in polishing off that victory in Canada. And a lot of the big names in the field had strong weeks. Noto and I talked last week about kind of hoping that Tony Finau would have a down week uh, to keep his ownership lower this week. That didn't happen. So you had all those names at the top of the leaderboard that people are going to remember as they build their lineups for this week. So any other quick takeaways from last week's PGA Tour event before we move along to, to talk about the U.S. Open? I mean, I was just looking at the leaderboard. So in the top 10, you had Fitz, Lowry, Connors, Burns, Thomas, Finau, and Rory. I mean, that's, that's, a, a, good list. that's a major type of leaderboard uh, for the Canadian Open. So it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I do have to vent a little bit. I was in a, a qualifier for the uh, Millionaire Maker this week, the 4-4-4-4 on DraftKings. And uh, I was in first. The guy behind me, he was like 11 points behind, and he had Finau and JT. So uh, Finau had the bogey free going. So I just needed no birdies from the two. 
Uh, and then Finau drops in the 42-footer. But then JT bogeyed, so I was like, okay, maybe I still won. Uh, and then apparently a guy had Rory and Finau that was like 16 points behind me. They both birdied uh, 18, so I lost by like 0.2 points or something like that. So a little bit frustrating. I, I saw a lot of money switching hands there on that uh, Finau bomb on 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always uh, kind of funny how one hole can shift so much in the course of a four round event, but, uh, Hey, well, this is the week. If you want to be on the right side of the, uh, the variance, this will be the week you can get on the right side of it. Uh, though I guess I you could argue <laughs> if you would have had the four, 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 four ticket, you know, maybe turn that into something, uh, with that good fortune, but alas, we'll have to settle for, you know, winning the milli out of the $15 maybe or something like that. But, um, yeah, star studded leaderboard. Great to see fun tournament. Uh, lots of talking points in the world of golf. And now we've got a major this week thrown into it. And part of the reason why the live tour has gotten so much attention now is because the majors are still saying, Hey, we're keeping our hands out of this mix. Um, you know, it, keep in mind, if you're new to the golf, newer to the golf landscape, or maybe you just don't know how it all works. The majors are not run by the PGA tour. So the masters is independently run. The U S open is run by the USGA. Uh, The PGA Championship is run by the PGA of America, which is different from the PGA Tour and so forth. So the majors are saying, you know, it's not up to us to to dictate what tour these guys are playing on. So even though the PGA Tour commissioner might be good friends with, you know, a lot of the guys on those committees, for now they're saying you can still play in the majors, which is obviously part of the draw to the live tour for a lot of these guys because, hey, you can play eight events a year and make a ton of money and you can still play in the majors and who needs the PGA tour. Maybe the majors end up taking their, you know, changing their stance over time, but for now everybody can play. So that's why you can see Dustin Johnson still in the field this week. You can see Patrick Reed still in the field this week because that PGA tour suspension does not apply for a major championship. So we've got all the guys you would normally expect to see in the U S open still playing despite the the fracture uh, with the new tour. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, and U.S. Open, as always, usually utilizes a course rotation every year. Uh, so we've got a venue that I believe we haven't seen since 1988 this year, uh, on the U.S. Open card this year. So what do we have for a course this week? Yeah, one other thing in terms of, uh, you know, the qualifications to get into these uh, majors is a lot of them are getting in based on their official world golf ranking. Um, but at the, at the moment, you know, the official world golf rankings aren't including the, the live tour events. So uh, maybe right. they'll just uh, end up weeding out those guys uh, over the course of the next couple of years. And then they won't have to make a firm stance on, you know, what tour they're playing uh, kind of put in the hands of the OWGR. But then at the same time, like uh, are those real golf rankings, if you're not including some of the results from one of the better tours, uh, in the world. So man, a lot, a lot of things could change here in the next uh, year or so, but yeah, like you mentioned it, um, us open, it does switch venues every year. This one should be a fun one. The country club at Brookline, it's in Massachusetts. It's a par 70, uh, just under 7,300 yards. Uh, the 1999 Ryder cup was hosted here, 2013 us amateur, which was won by Fitzpatrick. You're going to hear that uh, at least a thousand times this week, if you uh, read or consume any uh, content. Uh, three U.S. Opens have been played here, but none since 1988. And there have been some renovations um, since all of those tournaments took place. So we don't have any course history to work on. Uh, but the course is known for penalizing rough, 
and very small greens, 4,400 square feet on average. So think of Pebble Beach, think of Harbor Town. Uh, there's a lot of fescue if you are too wide off the tee. There's a lot of fescue if you're too wide on your approach shots as well. Um, and it's going to be a long course. There's two really short uh, holes. There's a drivable par four that's 310 yards. There's a par three that's only 130 yards. Everything else, uh, it's going to be tough. So eight of the par fours are over 450. Three of the par threes are over 190. So I think there's going to be a lot of long irons uh, this week, even for the longer hitters. And yeah, I mean, it's US Open. So uh, I expect long and straight, you know, drivers of the ball to do well. Um, you've got to be good around the greens, especially with how small these greens are. The greens themselves, a mix of Poanua and Bentgrass. Uh, Will Zalatoris called this the hardest golf course he's ever played. Um, I don't know when that quote was taken, but um, that's certainly worth noting since he loves hard golf courses. Maybe he's just psyching himself up because uh, the harder it is, the better he plays. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, kind of what I'm looking at. Um, I don't know what to do with course comps or, you know, the perfect fit, but I do think looking at past U.S. Open is certainly a, a route that I don't mind taking because typically the same guys play well, even though it's different courses. I played in a little local charity golf outing the other day on a course that had a lot of fescue along the fairway. Like it wasn't too far off the fairways came home about a dozen golf balls lighter at the end <laughs> of the day. So um, certainly can't imagine playing in those U S open rough conditions. Uh, but uh, that's why I'm not. So that's why I was just playing the local muni and still losing a dozen golf balls. But uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a really interesting dynamic because you can say, okay, you know, you want guys that are going to hit the fairways because it's such a penalty if you don't. But on the other hand, if you prioritize distance because the greens are so small, if you're 40 yards ahead of somebody else, uh, it's going to be a little easier to stick those small greens with a wedge uh, then maybe somebody else has got to come in with a seven iron or an eight iron or something like that. So uh, it, it's all, I guess, in perspective in how much you want to prioritize the, the bomber angle angle, or maybe you want to look at total driving, or maybe you want to look at bogey avoidance because the U S open is so difficult. Basically you just got to be good at everything um, in, in order to, to win a U.S. open. You're not going to be able to hide any weaknesses in your game. Uh, and certainly that's what this course uh, is designed and every USGA setup for the US Open is designed to do. So uh, don't expect 20 under this week. You know, I, the scoring isn't often as difficult as what we are used to, you know, where in the old days you'd be over par to win the US Open. But, you know, five, six under something like that, still very capable of being a, a winning score uh, with a with the US Open setup. So other thoughts on the uh, course or types of golfers you're looking at before we dig in? Yeah, I was just going to bring up, uh, you mentioned we want to hit the fairway, but if everyone's missing it, you want the guys that are out there farther. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Wingfoot when Bryson won. He was playing from the rough a lot, but so was everybody else. And, you know, he has the strength to get through the rough. Um, he was hitting shorter clubs than everyone else out of the rough, uh, which is a big difference. So, I mean, I do think distance is going to play somewhat of an angle, but you will see those shorter guys. There's going to be a handful of them up there at the top of the leaderboard, so I wouldn't just cross them off. And then Justin Ray on Twitter uh, posted a, a stat from 2000 uh, forward. The winning score of all the other three majors has been at least 10 under par on average. Uh, here it's like 4.7. So to your point, it's probably going to be single digits and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun weekend. And we're also expecting 20 mile per hour gusts pretty much all four days, uh, which is going to make it even tougher. Yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, whenever the wind kicks up, uh, it's uh, par is a great score for sure. 
All right, let's go ahead and uh, and dig in. We've got the usual golfers at the top, basically a who's who of the uh, top of the uh, golf rankings these days with Scheffler, JT, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Cam Smith has worked his way into that conversation, and Morikawa are your 10K-plus golfers on DraftKings this week. That gives us six of them. Uh, obviously, it's hard to find fault with a lot of these guys, but uh, who are a couple of your favorites? Yeah, so I was just pulling up the ownership, and it does look like Rory's going to be the most popular of the bunch. No surprise there coming off the win. He's kind of been trending upward for, you know, six months now, maybe even longer than that. And uh, three straight top tens at the U.S. Open kind of checks all the boxes. Um, you know, last week, his driver was amazing on Saturday. And then Sunday when he was missing uh, the fairways, he was laying up to 100 yards and sticking it to three or four feet every single time. The thing with Rory that we've always said is he's not great with his wedges. And those were dialed in last week. So if you like Rory, um, he's probably going to be popular, but I do think he deserves to be, uh, you know, ownership aside, the top play above 10K. Uh, no issue with JT. Obviously, he's been in great form too. Gained 13 strokes, T to green last week. Won the PGA, you know, a few weeks ago. Uh, the guys I'm going to be lower on, I think it's going to be Cam Smith and Colin Morikawa. So Morikawa's ball striking has just been trending in the wrong direction um, over the last eight months or so. He hasn't been hitting as many greens. And for him, that's a big red flag because he's so bad around the greens. And uh, his putting's been pretty bad lately, too. So that worries me. And then with Cam Smith, he hasn't played well at the U.S. Open. And I think it's just because he's not great with the driver. That's really his only weakness in his game. And the U.S. Open, you got you to gotta hit it long and straight. You got to find the fairways. So those two are probably the, the cross-offs for me. Um, then I'll have some exposure to Rahm and Scheffler as well. But I think my favorites are going to be you know Rory and JT. Yeah, I it's it's hard to go against Rory. I, I think the one thing that maybe last week offered was a glimpse at what he can still do when he's on top of his game and when he's motivated. Like for whatever reason, it seems like this whole live tour stuff has just motivated Rory to try to stick it to everybody. I mean, he was giving Greg Norman the kind of the dig in his post uh, round interview there after he got his 21st win. He said, oh, that's one more than somebody else. <laughs> um, and, you know, when he brings his A game, he's tough to beat. Like most other weeks, Finau would have won that tournament. Uh, but uh, Rory finally put those four rounds together. And just a reminder that when everybody brings their A game, he's still the guy probably to beat. If you say everyone brings their best stuff to the course on a given week, who's the guy to beat? It's probably still Rory, despite what Scheffler's done, you know, despite what JT's done. Maybe they're a little more consistent at times, uh, but uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, and we always hesitate to target guys off of wins. But I just think with Rory right now with a major, surely confident after he finally closed one out. Tough to go against him. I think he's my favorite. I'm pretty much right in line with you on uh on all these guys at the top i'm almost always lower on cam smith and it always almost always bites me so it's a nice tradition we can keep that rolling and uh i, I don't know it just feels like he luck boxes into a lot of top finishes but uh i even last week he was six over on thursday and ended up making the cut uh with a, a really good round so and he was like the second most popular golfer last week so i don't know i'm always underweight cam smith yeah, his numbers are crazy. He's pretty much top 10 on approach around the green and putting. And then, you know, he's outside the top 90 off the tee. So, yeah, if he drives it well, you know, you could see him contending. And if he doesn't, you could see him missing the cut. And I think everyone else above here is pretty safe in terms of their cut equity. Um, but Rom, Rom's an interesting one to me because he gained 
like nine strokes with his short game. The last time out, that was his best in a very long time. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, no, I like him a lot for GPPs. I think uh, certainly a guy that that you can throw in there as an upside play. And, um, you know, I think most people will probably gravitate towards Rory or, or JT for cash games. But uh, in tournaments, uh, Rom will definitely be in my GPP mix for sure. Uh, you mentioned seeing Cam Smith potentially miss the cut. Uh, that's another reminder. The cut line this week is top 60 and ties. Uh, so in theory, a lot more difficult to get those six to six lineups this week uh, because you've only got 60 and ties instead of 65 and ties making it through the cut. Now there are a lot of like you know, qualifiers and guys who uh, really are going to struggle uh, as part of the the 156 golfer field. So maybe there's only 130 with a legitimate chance to make the cut, but still only top 60 in ties noteworthy uh, on the, on the front end here this week. So anything else with that top range, otherwise you can move down to some of your favorites in the uh, higher end of the nine K. What are your thoughts on playing two of them in the same lineup? Uh, we talked about that a lot last week and, you know, that was a very yeah. good strategy, but this I, week I just don't feel as good. I don't think it. there's enough in the six K's that I, I just don't like it as much this week. And the nine K's is still, you know, relatively strong that I don't know. It's, probably do it on a few lineups but i don't like it as much as i did last week yeah i'm with you and the reason why we liked this so much last week is we had like six guys that were 15 to one or lower and then the next was like 40 or 50 so um this week the the you know the field's so talented that it feels like all the guys in the eights and nines are cheap compared to the guys at the right top. yeah yeah it's just that not as necessary and not as much in the six case to like here yep all right let's move on to the 9k range uh, we've got uh, Hovland, Shoffley, Spieth, DJ, Zalatoris, Cantlay, Matsuyama, Lowry. So, again, a lot of golfers that in some weaker field events uh, or when they're still playing on the PGA Tour are usually over 10K, uh, but uh, getting them in the 9Ks this week. So who are you looking at in there? Well, I play Xander every week, so I might as well play him at an event where he's finished T7 or better in five straight years. Uh, for whatever reason, he loves the U.S. Open. Probably because it tests all aspects of your game. You know, he's good off the tee, good on approach, really good short game as well. Uh, he's going to be popular, but um, he's fourth in my model. And, you know, he's only the eighth most expensive on DraftKings. A little, yeah, eighth, seventh most expensive on, on FanDuel. So I like uh, Xander quite a bit. Don't mind eating that chalk. After that, um, got to play Zalatoris, like I mentioned Plays well on difficult courses. He's been a beast at the majors throughout his career and uh, no reason to think that's going to stop here. Um, the tougher the greens are to hit, the better it is for him because he's such a good ball striker. He hits it really high. He hits it far. Uh, I think that's going to really be a benefit here. Um, my favorite bet of the week in terms of, you know, not a not a crazy bet is Victor Hovland top 40 on FanDuel right now. You can get it minus 110. At least it was that uh, about an hour ago. Uh, that's just crazy. Everyone else around him is like minus 200 for the top 40. And he's finished in the top 40. Let's see. I can't remember. It's like 76% of the time over the last two years. So uh, if you don't want to play Hovland, but want to get you know some exposure to him, I kind of like going that route. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't love him as much for DFS. So just afraid of that, you know, uh, green side bunker yep. <laughs> for, uh, for his third, you know, turning into an eight on a hole or two at some point during this tournament. But um, interesting in terms of uh, expected value based on those odds certainly has to be strong 
uh, and it's, you know, top 40, it's not like you're, you're have to bet them to win or anything like that. So don't mind that call. Um, also interesting to see, you know, nobody's going to play DJ. The, the, the anti-live bias is going to be very real. So we'll see how that affects. Uh, not that I, I think he's a great play regardless, but um, you know, we've got him at 4% right now. So to me, if you want to take somebody that's relatively low owned in this group, uh, it's Matsuyama. He got disqualified from the memorial for having a weird marking on his three wood, I believe, uh, which was strange and, and odd, but uh, he only played nine holes. Um, he did at the Byron Nelson. You know, he, there were still some concerns over whether or not he was healthy. Played well at the Byron Nelson, made the cut at the PGA. So uh, at 9% with his upside, I'll take some GPP shots on Matsuyama. Obviously doesn't grade out as well as some of these other guys in projections, but from a game theory perspective, I think he's fine. Um, if you're looking for safety, it's probably somebody like Zalatoris or, or Shoffley. Uh, I like those guys as well. So Zalatoris just keeps showing up in the majors. And you mentioned Shoffley's results at the U.S. Open. And some might be asking, you know, well, there's no course history because this course hasn't been used in several years. But there's still something to be said for U.S. Open history because the setups are always difficult um, you know, and thick rough and not a lot of scoring opportunities. So I do think that there's a lot of merit to looking at us open history in general, just from that perspective. So other thoughts on, uh, on the nine Ks and maybe the lower part of the nine Ks for you. I think Shane Lowry is certainly a good option, especially if you're playing cash games, small field tournaments, uh, he's going to be popular, but he's finished T 35 or better at 13 straight events, another top 10 last week. So he kind of does everything well. Um, I like that. One interesting one to me, I'm going to watch his ownership, is Patrick Cantlay. The narrative around him right now is that he is terrible at the majors, that uh, you know he only gets it done in the other events. But, I mean, man, he kind of is the exact same player as Xander Shoffley. You know, he does everything well. He's a really good putter. He loves uh, Bent and Poa Greens as well. And you know, his record at the U.S. Open is a little bit better than it has been at the other majors. Coming off of a couple of top threes in his last three starts. So I like Cantley, um, especially if his ownership trends downward due to that narrative. Yeah, boy, he's been uh, frustrating in some of the recent tournaments for <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh, just uh, it seems like, you know, when everybody's on him is uh, is when he struggles, like at the PGA, and then he, he comes back and, and does well when less people are on him. So uh, he really needs to get kind of that major – uh, kind of that narrative uh, off his back a little bit. And I think, you know, maybe once he, he gets over that hump, the momentum can build. So maybe this will be the week. Um, if that ownership trends down, I'm with you. If he stays kind of moderate to highly owned, uh, probably will pass this week. But some what of that is speed. Bias. We didn't talk uh, about speed. You, you can talk. I think I'm off of him this week. I, I don't know. He's just a little too expensive for me. This is just my speed bias creeping back into, so I don't know what to do with him. I was hoping you'd say yes, because I think you're like two for two in your, in your speed <laughs> career. Two for two over the last six years. <laughs> uh, the only thing with speed, I mean, he hasn't been great at the U.S. Opens, but this is by far the best he's ever driven it. So maybe he's not going to be in that thick rough as much as he has been in the past. Um, he's going to be popular. I, I don't know what to do with him yet. Yeah, I'm probably out given the, the, the likely ownership, but uh, that's just take that with a grain of salt. I usually am. So don't uh, let that sway you away if you are on him. 
All right, so let's move down into the 8Ks. Uh, will be interesting to see how much the uh, Cameron Young ownership gets to this week. I mean, he was super popular for months, even at the majors. Um, and then he had that one tournament a few weeks back where he shot that brutal round on Sunday. Uh, and now here he is, though, still at 8800 for a major. He's priced, if you would have told people five months ago that Cameron Young would be more expensive than Brooks Kepka at a major, uh, at the U.S. Open, people would have laughed at you. But here we are. It doesn't seem like that much of a surprise because Brooks can't stay healthy, and Young's been tearing it up with the exception of that hiccup a few weeks back. So you've got Neiman in here. You've got Fitzpatrick in here with the narrative that Noto mentioned earlier with the U.S. Amateur uh, about eight or nine years ago. The bottom part of the 8K range is pretty interesting too. So we'll save that. But say from Fitzpatrick to Neiman there, that group of five or six golfers, uh, how are you breaking that down? Yeah, I love that point about Cam Young being more expensive than Brooks. How wild is that? And he's probably going to be twice his own, too, um, if I had to guess. So it's crazy, but he just continues to play well. Um, he's got the bomber short game kind of narrative similar to Bryson. Um, he's so good off the tee. So he's really good around the greens, too. Um, when he first came on the PJ Tour, he was kind of struggling around the greens. But he says that's one of his biggest strengths, and we've seen that the last – you know, six or seven events and uh, pretty good butter. So I'm going to be on Cam Young. I haven't had the best track record with him, uh, but I, from now on, I'm just going to play him every week. Uh, I don't know what to do with Brooks. I mean, it seems like he's in bad form. Don't know if he's healthy or not, but he was kind of in this same boat last year heading into the U.S. Open and then uh, was obviously there with Phil in the final group. Nearly got it done. Um, his knee was hurting him back then, too. He was limping all over the course. So I don't mind going to Brooks if he's going to be low owned. But you mentioned that love fits. Um, I like fits every week, but he always talks about the firmer, the faster the course, the more it suits his strengths. Uh, he's gotten so much better off the tees at a distance this year, uh, elite short game. And uh, even the cut he missed a couple weeks ago, it was all putting. I think he gained seven strokes tee to green and missed the cut somehow at Memorial. So even if he's going to be popular, uh, I think he's very good. And then Neiman, I mean, consistency just continues to play well. There's so many good plays in this range. I wouldn't mind, you know, building six guys from this range. If you get the winner here, you could easily see a balanced build, you know, with five or six of these guys in that lineup. So, yeah, uh, Berger, Burns, Finau. We always play Finau with the majors, especially the U.S. Open. His uh, tee to green numbers have been awesome recently. Homa, I love playing Homa. So, yeah, there's nobody I don't like outside of maybe Hatton at the bottom. And Horschel. I don't like Horschel. Uh, Horschel used up. Maybe he used up all his magic, uh, lucky, uh, you know, uh, uh, chip shots and all that lucky putts uh, with his win there a couple weeks back. Uh, yeah, I, we're in alignment on this group as well. I'm maybe a little more worried about Cam Young. I'm probably out on Brooks, though. That's always scary at a major. We just haven't seen anything from him. Who knows where he's at at the moment. Uh, and he's going to get at least some ownership just because, you know, people are going to play him at a major. But I think these other guys are are more interesting. I mean, Finau, we talked about already last week how we were going to like him. Burns basically has everything but a, a strong major finish on his resume. Interesting on uh, Berger. Like, uh, how sold are we on the fact that Berger is healthy? I don't know. I mean, he looked pretty good his last time out. Um he hasn't been bad. He just has been bad in the big events when he's been chalky. So it kind of feels like he's been a lot worse. But he's coming off of T23 and T5 finishes. He kind of does everything well. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind Berger, especially if he's going to be lower owned. And 
I was just uh, playing around with some lineups. So if you if you you can go six guys in this AK range, you know Burns, Homa, Finau, Fitz, Cam Young, and you know Berger, somebody like that. I mean that's a that's a crazy lineup. You've got to feel pretty good about six to six, which means it's probably the bad strategy. <laughs> it's the lineup that's destined to fail. Uh, but uh, I agree. I just did that as well um, when you were talking, and it does look it does look uh, appealing for sure on the surface. So maybe you get one player down in the seven Ks and round it out. And, yeah. you know, you, you got a lineup that you feel pretty comfortable with heading into Thursday. Anything else in the eight Ks uh, that, uh, that we haven't mentioned Hatton was terrible last week. <laughs> I'm off of him. Um, I saw something afterwards. It's there's not a course, a course in North America. <laughs> Canada's included now that, uh, that that's up to uh, Hatton's standards. So uh yeah, I'm out on him as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I mean, we kind of just say we like everyone. Um, so who's your one guy you like the most in the AKs? If you had to pick, I mean, it's Fina. If I had to pick, uh, with Burns number two, but they're the two probably right now. We've got those as the two highest. Maybe Fitzpatrick ends up overtaking one of them in terms of ownership, but um, you know, I am giving an edge to the guys that can hit it a little longer off the tee. Uh, you you had good finishes last week. Confidence, I think, is another factor heading into a course that is going to be challenging and patience is going to be required. So, yeah, it's Burns and, and Finau. Um, probably Finau first if I had to choose between the two. Yeah, like I think I'd go Fitz, Finau. But, again, I like them all. All right. Uh, yeah, you can make a pretty good balance build out of that. Check it out. See, uh, see what you think. And then we start to get into the 7Ks. Um, still strong plays. We're still seeing a decent amount of ownership on a lot of these guys. And we mentioned off the top, there's not a lot in the six Ks to love. So you are still going to see some ownership on the seven K guys. Uh, obviously Mito had the, uh, near win at the PGA championship. Corey Connors finished second to Fitzpatrick in that U.S. amateur. That's the narrative that you will continue to hear. And of course, the, you know, the ball striking numbers are, are known for him. Um, my favorite in here might just be Fleetwood. You know, we've always talked about him not playing well in the States and, and playing better overseas, but he has started. We've talked about this in some previous shows, but he started to pick it up a little bit um, in U.S. events and has only missed, I believe, one cut over the last three or four months. So, um, you know, there is some talk about this course kind of having a little bit of a linksy feel to it, even though it's you know, it's not as long as we see with some courses these days. It's also not super tree line. So, um, yeah, I think Fleetwood could uh, could play well this week. Uh, but you got Connors in here. You got Mito in here. Sung JM getting some ownership. Aaron Wise has been playing okay. Uh, Ustazen, if you want a wild card after he withdrew at the Masters a few months ago. So still for fairly strong options for this salary range. Uh, so I'll go with Fleetwood as my favorite. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on board. Give me some Fleetwood. Uh, pretty good track record at the U.S. Open. He nearly won in 2018. I think he had like a 15-footer on his final hole uh, to force a playoff with Brooks, although he was like eight groups ahead, something like that. So he didn't know at the time. But, um, yeah, I, I like him. You know, he plays well in the wind. Uh, you mentioned the links, Phil. I like that. They say the course is very hilly. They say there's a lot of blind shots. So, some he should feel pretty comfortable with. I uh, like Corey Connors. It's hard not to with the ball striking. You do worry about his short game a little bit, but if anybody's going to hit more greens in the field, it's probably going to be Connors. Over the last couple of weeks, he's been 
awesome ball striking again 10.2 and then 8.9 strokes ball striking his last two events uh keegan bradley rates out well for me but i don't know what to do with that information um he is from the area so i'm sure he's probably more familiar with the course the most i don't know that generally doesn't lead to results on the pj tour but we've seen so many guys with playing their home course missed the cut but maybe that helps a little bit he is very good ball striker um so yeah i mean those three are probably my favorites but you mentioned mito you know wise has been awesome the last few months I don't have, you know, I'm going to Louie. You know, I'm playing at least 10% of them. I'm out. I'm out after the Masters. I can't. I, I lost a third of my lineups at the Masters with Casey and Louie, and I'm not doing it again. We need to know uh, with his live, live tour contract if he gets paid, if he withdraws. He uh, played man, last week. The live tour, and he flew from London. Note that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not doing it. You're not doing it. No Louie for me this week. I cannot be sold. I will. It will take a <laughs> mega offer. It'll take a live tour offer for me to be on Louie this week. Okay. A couple other names then. Um, Seamus Power. We have him at 4%. So his last 19 starts, he's either missed the cut or finished top 35. Any interest? I don't hate that. Yeah. I, you know, it, the, the, the ownership at this stage, you get one guy in your lineup that that you can count on you know maybe as a contrarian play three four percent owned uh, with some upside um I, I like it i mean obviously we saw him turn into an elite golfer for a while there and then he kind of faded off and now the ownership has has tracked with it so i don't mind him as a gpp option and then a banter top 10 in the field from 175 plus uh, on approach and played well at the pga similar you know iron distance shots there yeah, so these are the the spots where I think you can maybe feel a little comfortable being different and, and playing some of these guys because, again, not a lot in the 6Ks. Um, Justin Rose is probably the chalk as you get towards the bottom part of the range after his 10 under round, uh, and obviously he has a lot of U.S. Open history. Uh, Davis Riley as well. I'm a little cooler on him. I If I had to play one of the chalk guys down towards the bottom, I would play Rose. Um Gooch, another live tour convert. So we'll see uh, how he performs. Um, but power, as far as a lower own pivot away from Keegan, I, I think is interesting. So, who are some of the other guys you like in the seven case? Man, Rose, that's that's a tough one. If he would have missed the cut last week, he'd be four percent owned. If you look at his game log; it is just full of missed cuts. Um, but man, he looked great. Uh, had a chance for fifty nine. Bogeyed his final. He shot hole. a sixty with three bogeys. <laughs> I know. I know I had him in showdown and uh, I was I was rooting for him there at the end, but uh, didn't get it done. Um, we've seen him, oh, man, even his U.S. Open history, so hit or miss. He's just one of those guys. He's either going to miss the cut by 10 or have a really good week. And so uh, he's another one of those guys on FanDuel. Top 40 odds are like plus 150, something like that. Um, so if you want to do that instead of playing him, I kind of like doing that with uh, some of these chalky guys. Um, that way you, you're hedged a little bit um, and you don't have to worry about ownership. You're just betting on, you know, a, a binary outcome there. Anyway, I'll stop talking about Rose. I agree with you on Riley. If I'm going to fade one chalk guy down here, it would probably be Riley. Um, I like Henley, even though he's not very long off the tee. Very good with the long irons. I like Varner. He's been playing great. Um, Gary Woodland's another boomer bust guy. I mean, he has yeah. like similar upside to Rose and he's, you know, fit to the ownership. So, uh, if you look at their game log, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart over the last year or so. 
Yeah, I don't mind taking some shots on Woodland as well. Uh, I think that's a good call. I did put him in my rankings uh, for those of you who might be premium subscribers over at Roto Grinders. Check us out. Uh, great time uh, with all the sports going on and uh, and some wrapping up. Baseball in full swing, uh, and uh, you know golf. Uh, big tournaments on the horizon here for the next few months yet. Check us out at rotogrinders.com. You can also get some of our favorite bets at scoresandodds.com uh, if you're looking for some sports betting content and you're in a legal sports betting state. So uh, we'll reference some of those odds occasionally throughout the show. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else around 7K? Hadwin's been popular at some points lately. Norin's been popular. Um, the one guy that surprised me when I was looking up the numbers earlier was Brian Harmon, who yeah. somehow has a very strong record over the last five or six years in U.S. Opens. Like, you wouldn't think of Brian Harmon, uh, Mr. Short Hitter, but uh, he's gained the last, let's see, uh, the last four U.S. Opens, he's gained 30 strokes over field average. Brian Harmon. Um, I mean, I mean, I expected it. Maybe not everyone else. <laughs> I mean, it's not a surprise to me. Come on, he's a top five golfer in the world. Uh, and he's been playing great other than the Thursday at Colonial. Uh, he was like seven over and then shot three or four under the next day. So, yeah, sign me up for Harmon. Um, and I also like Siwoo Kim. He's gained tee to green in 11 of his last 12 starts. And he's only missed one cut. So he's a guy that used to be boomer bust. And now he's kind of given up some of that for some consistency. And uh, I like that in this range. Yeah, and it starts to thin out once we get into the 6Ks, and that's part of the reason why it's tough to endorse lineups that have, like, two of the 10K-plus options this week uh, because you just aren't going to see, again, there's a lot of qualifiers at the bottom of this field. Um, Dan will be happy. I, the one guy I have highlighted is Ryan Fox, uh, who, uh, you know, we've, we talked about uh, at the PGA uh, but a guy who can hit it plenty long off the tee, really good numbers on the Euro tour this year. Uh, and he's 6,700, 2%. So um, he's the one guy I highlighted under 7K, but there's nobody that really stands out as an elite play. Like the, it, for some reason you get to 7,000, there's quite a few names there yet under 7,000 that just, it, it vanishes. So uh, Fox is my guy. At 6,700, do you have a gem or two in the punt range? I like the Vox call. Um, he rates out really well in the Roto Grinders projections that Jamino does. I think he's like second in the point per dollar rankings. If you look at his, uh, you know, form on the European tour is really good. Uh, let me find it. So ninth, eighth, second, 54th, second. So playing great right now. And then I also like Audrey Arnes, who is uh, another guy playing well in the European tour right now. Uh, he's 6,800. So a couple guys, or sorry, the DP World Tour, apologies. Um, a couple guys that are playing well over on the, the other side of the pond. After that, like you mentioned, I, I don't feel great about anyone. I don't mind going to Chris Goddard up again. Um, you know, he became really popular last week. The, the Haskins Award winner uh, just uh, entered, or I think he, I don't think he's an amateur anymore. I think he's now on the PJ Tour. Um, so He's a guy I wouldn't mind looking to. Uh, he missed the cut, but it was pretty close, and he's got a ton of talent. So that would be the, the other guy down here that I would look at. Yeah, not a lot uh, a lot else for me either. So, again, you're going to want to end a lot of those lineups with the 7K, 7,100, 7,200 golfers. Uh, just uh, not a lot of diamonds in the rough. I got her up, I don't mind. Um, 
Did he end up missing the cut last week? I know he's kind of on the yeah, cut line. It was close. It was only a stroke or two. Um, he hit it out of bounds on his 17th hole. And then a little bit of pressure, a little bit of pressure and uh, playing in Canada and trying to, to make the cut. So we'll see how he does in the U.S. Open this week. Uh, but not a lot of other guys really that stick out. Um, Kitayama looks okay in projections, but uh, you're just not going to find a whole lot of punt values. So uh, stick to the seven Ks and plenty of good balance lineup approaches as well. Like we talked about earlier in the show. So uh, with that, we can go ahead and get ready to put a bow on it and wrap it up. But we are going to be back this week on Wednesday. We're going to do another PGA uh, Twitter spaces on the Roto Grinders uh, Twitter account. So uh, mark your calendars probably around 730 Eastern or so on Wednesday. Um, we can uh, you know, give you an update on weather conditions, if there's any changes to the field. Uh, we took quite a few questions in the last one that we did, and it went over pretty well. So uh, again, Wednesday around 730 Eastern time uh, prior the day before the start of the tournament uh, Twitter spaces uh, broadcast and we'll have some guests on for that as well. So looking forward to that and you can get an update from us. Noto and I'll be there on Wednesday evening. So just wanted to pass that along before we call it a show. Anything else uh, for you? Now it's going to be a fun week. Uh, we'll be around all week to answer questions too. If you want to, you know, hit us up in discord or Twitter, whatever it may be. And yeah, join us for the Twitter spaces. It's a lot of fun. All right. With that, we'll hope to see a lot of you there on Wednesday evening, hanging out with us on Twitter. Thanks to Noto for joining me. I'm Justin. Uh, thanks to Steve producing hard for us behind the scenes uh, and helping us bring you this great content. We appreciate him as well. Have a great week, everybody, and good luck in the U.S. Open. And we will see hopefully many of you on Wednesday for the Twitter broadcast. 